0: All right, how's that? Everybody hear that okay out there? Good. All right, did everybody get one of these handouts? I tried to make it so that you almost had to knock, it, knock this thing over to walk into the room. But yeah, still, still some people missed it. So if you didn't get it, uh, grab one. Here, actually. let me. Anybody else raise a hand? Yes. Okay, so um, glad that y'all got the announcement, we were kind of late putting this into the bulletin, but we're going to talk about philosophy of ministry, and um, obviously not to y'all, but to many people that can be a dry topic, but my aim is to show you how exciting this is, but ultimately how important it is. And then uh, for our church, um, this is an ongoing conversation that we need to keep having, because the more that we can be on the same page with how we think about ministry, and this doesn't mean that we're going to be on the same page 100% of the time on 100% of issues, but but the more that we can be on the same page for how we think about ministry, uh, the more effective we can be as a, as a church and a congregation to this community. So let me pray for us and we will get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning, and we pray that as we talk about your church and your ultimately your your ministry, And how you have asked us to be a part of it, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears, that we could see things and hear things otherwise we couldn't, um, and that you would be glorified in the process. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so hopefully you have this sheet, you have this handout, and uh, it would be good for you to go ahead and maybe when you go home to get a little folder. You can write the letters P-O-M for philosophy of ministry on it, and you can stuff this in there because my goal is to give you guys some things to take and hold on to uh, for your own personal ministries at home uh, to reflect and look back on as we go through church and life together. Uh, This is not just sort of a, um, I did the class, I heard it. This is a carry it with you type of class, and I hope you find it to be true. So, what is a philosophy of ministry? Why... In the world, do we need one? And and maybe to kind of uh, get at that question at first, you know, I was thinking, how many of you asked the question, how does ministry or church happen? I mean, and you would almost sort of be um, strange if you did ask that question to some extent, because I assume that most people, unless you are a professional Christian like myself, don't think about these things in that way. You know, how many people walk through the doors this morning thinking, how how did all this happen and how did, like, why are we in this room having this Sunday school class and uh, why did we do that confession and how, like, how does church happen or do we just assume, well, it's just church and it just sort of just happens. Um, Is there any intentionality behind it? And my answer to you is no matter what ministry or church or even organization that you're a part of, there absolutely is intentionality behind it whether the organizational leaders know it or not. And it is our job as church leaders and you as church members and staff and visitors of, uh, of the church or, or just, you know, believers in Jesus in general to care enough about his ministry and his church to say, I want to be intentional about the way that we work out ministry. I want to be intentional about the way that we steward the call and the gift of doing ministry, uh, of serving God's church of, of, of thinking about what this place should look like, you know? And this goes from everything to, should we build a building or not, right? Those are church questions that people are asking all over the place. A philosophy of ministry answers that for you, right? Should we offer these types of Sunday school classes, or should we preach on this? Should we have a confession? Should we go help the poor, Right? All things that require a philosophy of ministry. And it's not just a yes or no, we should do those things. The philosophy of ministry says how we should do those things, and why we should do those things, and what those things really look look like. In other words, it gets down to the nitty-gritty of methods. And methods is a really, really important thing for how ministry comes about. And it's why when you walked into this building... Things were the way that they were because people have made decisions about the methods in which you receive ministry, in which, the way, which way you experience church. Uh, those are all methods, okay? So um, I thought I would do something for us uh, to, to, to drive this home a little more about what is the philosophy of ministry and why we need it to make it more personalized for our church, okay? So whether you're a member or you're just visiting, this is going to be good for both parties because you'll get to hear who we are and, and what we're, we're about, our vision as a church, and I won't ask anybody to repeat it, um, or because you know, I know everybody's got it memorized, is this: to be a congregation that nurtures a joy for loving God and loving people by proclaiming, believing, and living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fantastic uh, vision statement. All right, that sounds great. It sounds really good. Well, what a philosophy of ministry is is how are we going to bring that vision statement to life? And if we stopped here right now and said, everybody take the next 30 minutes and write down how you want to bring that to fruition, we would have 60 60 different versions of what this looks like. So how are we going to be unified as a body and decide what this looks like? How will we go about nurturing a joy for loving God and loving people? How will we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? There are a thousand different ways to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which ones do we want to be about? And the answer to that question is, which ones are more effective? And that creates more questions. What's more effective, right? How do we get to those answers? That requires a philosophy of ministry. How will we talk about believing in this church, which is part of this vision statement, right? What does it mean to believe? How would you talk about that to a stranger, to your neighbor, to somebody that may be interested in this church? How do you want to see that talked about in this place? How will we help people understand what believing is and how will we know if our people are actually believing? And I might add, how will you know if your children are believing, if your friends are believing? Have you thought about this stuff? Or is it just sort of things that come about naturally or somehow like there's somebody behind the curtain punching the buttons and all of a sudden it happens, right? How will we know? How will we live out the gospel? What forms will that take? How will we decide as a church what living out the gospel will look like for us? In this time and in this place and in this culture, and maybe more importantly, what things will we teach and practice to make sure we are living out the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that is consistent to the scriptures? So that when we drift, if we happen to drift, how will we know how to get back? That requires a philosophy of ministry. For all these questions and more, this is why we're here uh, this morning and the next three weeks is to answer as best as we can some of these questions. Not to make sure necessarily that all these things happen, which is we want that to be the case. When I say all these things, we want this vision statement to be, to be true. Um, but to have a reference point and reflection for when they don't happen. And this is really the most, one of the most crucial benefits of a philosophy of ministry, is to reflect on what is happening in this church. And if, if it's something that we're not aiming for, how do we go back to start over, so to speak, to get us on the right trajectory to go towards the goals and the purposes that we're after in the first place. Oh, and what are those goals, right? What are those goals? That requires a philosophy of ministry. How many times has an organization, ministry, or church failed, not because they weren't producing something, but because they had no way of identifying the ways that they, that they were not accomplishing their stated goals, and no way to navigate back in order to arrive down the road at their stated purposes? An intentional philosophy of ministry does that. And that's what what this is about. So what should ours be? What should our philosophy of ministry be? Rhetorical question, of course. Well, this is what I want to look at over the next four weeks. Um, I certainly want your input. Um, I'm going to offer what I think is uh, the best. We, We wouldn't have anything less than the best at Fort Worth Press. Uh, philosophy of ministry. It's not the only one, uh, but it is It is certainly one that, uh, that our church subscribes to, and it's one that we are constantly working with. And we want you all to work with this too, um, because we want you all doing ministry and thinking about ministry the same way we do as a church. We want you all seeing things that we can't see, right? And we want you all helping us along the way. So um, this is one of the things we're going to look at. So that a church body... As a church body, as I mentioned, you and I can be on the same page for how we think about ministry. This is the first reason that we want to do this, and I kind of mentioned that already. Um, when congregations think about the hows and the whys of ministry collectively, the ability to actually do ministry skyrockets. And isn't that what we all want in this room? Right? We, we don't want a church that's constantly eating up its resources, that's paying some you know overeducated seminary brat, buku's of dollars to figure out where are we putting the coffee bar, right? That's not what you brought me here for or any of us on staff. We don't want to spend that amount of time, as important as that is. All right, we've got to get that right. We'd rather be spending what? Time going out and doing ministry. We'd rather be spending time and efforts and resources, right? Taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, right? Well, when we're all on the same page, we're all thinking to some degree, collectively about the same... But how to do ministry in the same way, and what, and what it should look like. What we can do as a unified body is, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. Second, not only do I want us to be on the same page for how we think about ministry, uh, but how to think about corporate individual growth um, as a Christian, and what that should look like, and how we get there. So, this asks questions like, what are our goals as Christians? And... What, what, our, what our goals are not, are, don't necessarily have to be uh, all of the goals, and they certainly don't have to be all of your goals, but it's a starting place, and it gives us a, a trajectory. It gives us a place to aim. Uh, what do you want to see happen in your life, right? Um, I, we can just do church, right? We can do church and we talk about this a lot, and go through the motions, and you know, 15 years later, like what do, what do we want to see happen? And I think that what a philosophy of ministry does is it helps us revisit that question on a regular basis. And it helps us figure out, is that happening? And if it's not happening, what do we need to do to fix that? Um, the, the, the problem is, is that we, we, we can become a people that become so complacent and, and just sort of used to the regular you know, moving along of life where nothing seems to be happening. Um, because we haven't asked those questions of what is it that I want to see God do in my life? What, have, what, what do His promises promise me? So, those are the goals in our, uh, uh, as a Christian, and what do we want those to be? And what does that look like corporately, but also individually? What do you want to see happen in your life? What do you want to see, uh, what, or how do you know if you're growing, and in what ways? And uh, you know, all those things that we just said. All right, so lastly, I want us to be on the same page for how we think about, think about uh, ministry, because I want us to be on the same page for how we think about people. And that's really what this is all about. Um, have, having a philosophy of ministry that is, I could say, just more biblical, is a difference between abusing people that come into your church or your organization and not abusing people. And we're going to see what that looks like in the coming days, coming weeks. But this is crucial in the life of the church Uh, in the ministry or any organization, what are people for? Have you stopped and asked that question? And how would you answer that question? And if there's no philosophy of ministry for us to look at and reflect on, then we're not not even going to stop to ask that question. Um, And if we don't really spend time thinking about what people are for, especially what the Bible says people are for, then how do we know that what we're doing here on Sunday and throughout the week is not actually helping people but hurting people? How should we think about them in the context of ministry? How does Scripture think about people in the context of ministry? Does how people learn even matter when it comes to ministry? It's a huge, huge question. Something we'll look at in the coming weeks. So here's a point. This stuff is happening whether you know it or not. This stuff is happening whether I know it or not. Um, All of us come in here with some type of grid and some type of way that we think about ministry, whether we are aware of it or not. And uh, at the very least, I think that, as God's people, um, I think that He is worth the time and effort to intentionally think about creatively and caringly and lovingly how to apply his wonderful gospel in our life um, in the lives of others in ministry. okay That's the overview. Um, any questions about that? Any questions about the introduction I mean? Anything just sort of that I said that didn't sit right. I might comment
1: that I think if, if there isn't a unified philosophy of ministry, you're perhaps choosing to be ineffective or a church split.
0: Yes, and and so what John just said is if you're not unified on the philosophy of ministry, you, you're less effective and you're you're probably in, the, in the, moving in the direction of a split. And something we'll talk about in the coming weeks... People always wonder, why are there so many churches out there? Why can't we all just be one church and get along? There are other churches out there because of philosophy and ministry differences. Somebody wanted to do this, and somebody else thought we should do this. And instead of working to get on the same page, we'll we'll go our separate ways. Sometimes that's necessary, and we'll talk about that. But most of the time, it's probably not. Because a lot of the times... It's. I want the coffee bar out here in the lobby, and somebody else wants it upstairs in, in the youth room or something. Well, I'm going to start my own church, and <laughs> you yeah, know that's kind of that's the sad tale of humanity. <laughs> um, but it's also why we need Jesus. So let us pray, and we'll go on into worship. No. Um, okay, great. Good question. Good comment. Um, obviously, if you've been in Sunday school with me, I want this to be very interactive. So please raise your hand at any time. Okay, so let's look at the overview here. Uh, we're just going to glance at this, and if we have time, I'm going to start with um, start unpacking this uh, intentionally and specifically. And this is what we'll actually be going over for the next couple of weeks. And you'll be getting different handouts and resources along the way to think about these things. But let's do the 30,000-foot view uh, thing here and, and start... With the tree itself. And what does the tree represent? If we think about ministry in the lives of individuals or the church, a tree is a good way to break down the elements of ministry and how they work. Okay, So that's what you have here. So let's start with the soil. The soil here for us is always going to be, which I hope we agree, is Scripture. That is, that is how we grow. That is what uh, it, it has the nurturing elements um, of how any uh, Christian or any church or, or spiritual organization grows. Uh, but it's not the only thing. Um, what else do we also talk about in the church? This would be a good pop quiz. That are also the soils of of nurturing growth, uh, along with scripture, Con- confession? confession. Oh, the confession, like the Westminster Confession. Um, kind of like scripture. <laughs> <confession>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, prayer. Yes. Worship. What's specifically about worship? Hearing the preached word and partaking in the sacrament. Yes. Preached word and sacrament or the means of grace. right? So, um, while the Westminster certainly is a means of grace to us, we, we want to be careful about where we put that. Uh, we'll, and we'll come back to how the Westminster Confession actually uh, fits into our philosophy of ministry. But yeah, the church offers the means of grace, which is the preaching of the word, the sacrament, prayer in the community of God's people in a way that, well, this is what it's supposed to do. So this is our soil, okay? This is our soil. All that we think, say, and do must flow out of obedience to God's Word. And that, that's that's where we will always begin. All right, that lovely picture there, Psalm 1. So you can think about that tree that is that is, uh, has its roots deep into uh, those streams of living water. And that living water is what? It's the Word of God. And so that everything that begins to happen to that tree is, is affected by and caused by the living water of that Word. Okay, so let's, let's stop there for a second, really quickly, and just pre- apply this to ourselves. Individually, or corporately, but let's start individually. If I'm looking to see fruit in my life, if I'm looking to see uh, how is God changing me, or how am I being changed, what is maybe the first place, the first area that I need to look at? Okay, let's be more specific about that. By I go to okay. Am I reading the word? I yes. read the word. Yes. Yeah. Because I can go to church. We'll find out really quickly. And that's not the word. <laughs> Those are words, but that's not the word, right? Um, am I connected to the streams of living truth? And that can look like a lot of different things, but uh, certainly the church's it's priority is anchored, and 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 getting the word out to its people. Okay. Now, I can get in the Word too by having uh, some type of quiet time or, you know, memorizing Scripture, and those are all good disciplines as well. But this tells us that the first thing that we need to realize is that oftentimes when we are in seasons of, we may call it just dryness or we feel like we're in the desert or feel like uh, nothing's really happening, or we actually have really good friends who tell us, you've been a jerk lately, (laughs) you know, or what, you know, you... You're so defensive. What is going on here? There's areas in your life that that just seem to be not producing the fruit, which we'll get to at some point here later in the the class, that we hope that the Bible promises will be produced. Oftentimes it's because we have removed ourselves from those streams. And so this also gives new meaning. This is what I love to talk about with college students to why church is important in the first place because church is not important to anybody at this point until they go to college because their parents are making them come, right? And if you're, you know, you can agree with that if you grew up and you're like, yeah, I didn't really think about why I was coming to church until I went to college Um, because I went to college and I finally had to realize if I wanted to go or not. It's that kind of thing, okay? Okay.
1: If you use Psalm 1 as the, First thing it talks about is avoiding the wicked, the sinner, and the scoffer. Correct. I mean, and so there's actually it's one of those places where the first thing it tells us is avoiding is avoidance.
0: Okay. It, it does. Do you, I'm not sure you're asking, you asking me to. What do you?
1: Well, well and, and just that, that um, you know, before we get to the streams of the living water, I mean, it's just the way it starts out. You know. Well, not the Council of the wicked or you know, um, me, you know in the it's it's like a, a huge warning saying start
0: by examining where. well let me let me let me phrase it this way the, the, the song starts out by happy is the man blessed is the man not who does this but who does what who meditates walks day and on. night
1: blessed who walks not in council.
0: right so the tree the living, the, living, the living streams is an illustration for what makes for a happy life and a happy person so certainly avoidance is, is part of that, but it's okay just to you know to start here. But I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just I don't want to. I'm not sure if you want me to go so, go a different direction or not. Um,
1: well, I just think that, that often we want to we want to have a foot in church and a foot in our own life at the same time. Okay, and it's and I think it's really important that people understand that. that kind of like what are you plugged? Like what is your what are you plugged into? Right. Are you plugged into. Okay, yeah. Bless you, or are you plugged,
0: like you're gonna put your foot,
1: you're
0: gonna stand somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. What right. are you plugging your life Okay, yeah. No, I mean I'm, and I guess in many ways I feel like I'm I am saying that when when we are looking for the fruit in our lives and it's not happening, and we're not plugged into I would say the church or these living streams, We're plugged into something, absolutely, and that's happening. But so yeah, does that help? Is that sort
1: sure. of I mean church on Sunday is not gonna negate... If you're spending the rest of the week sitting with the wicked, the sinner, and the scoffer, you know, I guess that's true. True. I, I don't think it's an. I don't think it's a first this then that because the Bible said, you know, blessed is the man who walks not in the council, not understanding the way of sinners, the see the scoffer. But, but the not, the law not law law second. Law. But right. his delight right. is in the law of the Lord. So, right. so. it's...
0: It's a consequence. There are consequences to the places where we anchor ourselves.
1: I this, that. It's, you
0: know, right.
1: These are yeah, wow.
0: right. And, and maybe I'll just put it this way: all of us are anchored to something. All of us are growing roots into something. What is it? Okay. And and depending on what that is, depends on the fruit that will be will be there. So.
1: Maybe it's helpful to add submission.
0: Yes. And submission... Under the Word of God, not over it. Submission is exactly what the psalm is getting at. Am I I sitting down here, which is that image of submitting to this person's Word, and the tree itself is an act of submission. I'm planting myself here. I'm not planting myself miles inland where there is no stream, which is another act of submission. So, absolutely. Great. Hey, get into this here. Let's talk about Psalm 1. Good. We've people... uh, this is great. So, that is, trying to stay with the overview here, that is the soil. And we're going to get really deep into all these categories throughout our time here. So, again, this is an overview. So, if, I am, if I'm not getting as far as you want me to, to go, just know that this is an overview. Okay. Um, so, that's the soil. Roots will be the next thing. Um, which also act as uh, the element of faith, as we, by faith, take in what, what the Scriptures are giving us, um, then, then this is, you know, things begin to happen. This is how this comes into our lives. So uh, roots determine how the tree will grow. Uh, and the same is true for how we think about ministry. And we're going to call these things presuppositions, um, be the philosophical term for it. Okay. So uh, presuppositions are things that you and I believe about ministry, but are largely unseen, such as roots for a tree. They shape ministry ethos and practice. Okay, um, do you know what your presuppositions for ministry are? It's rhetorical. Just think about that. Have you even have you even heard that sentence before? <laughs> you know, I mean, has any, has anybody ever asked you to think about what are the things that you believe about ministry before you go and do ministry? Because that shapes the ethos and the practice of the ministry. And if we are unaware of what we, of all of our assumptions about what we think about people, what we think about God and what He said about ministry, what we think about what is supposed to happen and how it's supposed to happen, I mean, goodness gracious, what is our ministry going to look like? And this is where, we, where some of us have experienced being burned by ministry or the church. Is because people were unaware of the presuppositions that they had about ministry and they came in uh, and they did serious damage to people because they didn't care about the individual, which is one of our presuppositions. They didn't care about the idea um, that, that God is at work and, um, and, and that has huge implications for how I think about and treat people.
1: Mm-hmm. So, is the diagram taking into account? Are we... No, does one birth the other? Is that how we should be reading this? Or are there things sort of on the side of it that are coming in sideways and
0: influencing what we believe about? Well, that's a good question. I, 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 I've I never thought about it any more than just saying kind of yes and yes, yes. You know, other than... Yeah, certainly, Scripture is in these presuppositions. Um, but there are... Yeah, I mean... That is, that is the root and the source of all of these, for sure. I mean, there's not going to be one that we're going to talk about that Scripture somehow doesn't talk about. But I think is that... For, is there room for... I, yes. Is, is, that, is there room for what?
1: Is that good that there are things outside of it, including our Oh. Or are they not written because ideally they don't? I'm trying to interpret that. Okay. I, I mean, I think there's other things. I don't think we can understand what our presuppositions are until we have discussions like this where we're hearing a philosophy of ministry and we're you know, thinking about the right? the way we're approaching it and then it's exposed kind of different you know, the way that we're viewing it. So there's probably cultural things that influence how we approach ministry. Well we're always forming our future presupposition, right? So we yeah. want we want to form our presupposition around the gospel. Yes. It may not be now, but we would
0: what, what, what I feel, I think I understand what you're saying is that we're we're going to talk about. This is where I'm getting confused, and your, with your question, it's not you, it's me. Is this is not an exhaustive list of presuppositions, but the ones that are here are certainly birthed from scripture. Now, that, does that mean it's wrong? That I'm just trying to think of one that would come from outside of scripture that 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 wouldn't be that what scripture wouldn't speak to. But maybe we come up, maybe we figure that out while we're here, and it's still an aspect of. Of of God's truth, you know. It's not like.
1: And we chose to split this church intentionally because we value caring for individuals, as you touched on. That's not in scripture anywhere about how big a church should be. So that's a presupposition that we had that we acted
0: on. You're talking about the mission of the church to want to plant and.
1: Yeah, the, when we took Trinity out, mm-hmm.
0: we took a Correct. There's
1: nothing in the Bible about how big a church should be. The presupposition would be caring for people. Correct.
0: So you're, yeah, so this is, this is perfect. This is, this is a method that isn't necessarily in Scripture, but it's, it's run by a presupposition that is. Okay, so are we all, is it, we need to get more coffee? <laughs> coming from that presupposition because of the yes, okay, so society that we're living in, the century that we're living in. When we see the, and again, this is overview, so when we dive into this, we're going to get in the trenches, but that would be under Bible theology. So that's a presupposition we carry with us, absolutely. So that's good. Oh. Would not the
1: presuppositions of people be also formed by whether or not they came to Christ or was raised in a very early age, you know, children coming up to the church? Versus someone who came to Christ at age forty-five. I mean, you're going to have totally different presuppositions. Personal presuppositions. Uh, coming into this soil-based
0: here, are you not? I'm As not sure I understand what you're about. saying. What that.
1: church would be would be, or what what our principles are, would not presuppositions be influenced by those two different kinds? of people. So, right. I think he's saying this is be, where our presuppositions. should be Would, would it be helpful to say this is this is about the presuppositions of the church, not not into, not collective. Everyone's on separate presuppositions, but you're talking about because you're talking about philosophy of ministry. So we're not talking about 400 philosophies of ministry. You're talking about this is this is the way a church looks at philosophy of ministry and. And is that because I think because I think Beth is asking an individual presupposition versus versus the collective? This is what the church's presupposition.
0: Is that is. what you're asking? In some ways, what, what I hear you saying is. What I heard, hearing from him, mm-hmm. was that he was saying you know where
1: are the presuppositions coming
0: from? Yeah, well, what I hear you saying is, is does at some point in time in, any, in anybody's given life do they have assumptions about ministry? And absolutely we do because they're shaped them based on our experiences and all of our experiences are different. This is saying, I want to, I want this to be fixed in your life. Because I do want it to be corporate, but I want it to be individual. So wherever that experience is for somebody, I want you to see that this is actually a biblical, a biblical foundation for how to think about presuppositions in your life. And I think we'll see that once we get into the trenches of it all. But, but, you know, what I hear you saying though, and I could be wrong, is just, yeah, this is the point of having a philosophy of ministry. Everybody's coming from different places and different times in their life. Why? Because God acts in different ways at different times and different places in people's lives. It's the reason why that we have a presupposition, I'm getting ahead of myself here, of the individual, because everybody's in a different place. And so if we don't think about that intentionally, right, and we start thinking everybody's in the same place. Everybody's experienced the gospel the way that I have. You know what? I got saved doing a mission trip to Guatemala, right? Well, then we just everybody needs to go on this mission trip to Guatemala. No, right? That would be that would be forcing your experience. Onto somebody and not caring about the individual. What if you were somebody who said, you know, my experience of believing and becoming a Christian uh, looked like me constantly getting up at five in the morning and reading the word and diagnosing the Greek and, and, and dissecting the verbs. And you know what? My child isn't doing that. And so now I am forcing them to get up at 5 a.m. to do this because that's what Christianity looks like, because that's what it looked like for me. What do you think is going to be the response of your child towards Christianity? You fill in that blank. This is, this is the importance of the presupposition of ministry uh, in saying that we, as the Bible does, cherishes the individual. And what that also means is we cherish where they are and that there isn't this idea. We're going to talk a lot about a, a, a repenting of our experience. We're going to talk a lot about how the way God has acted and worked in our life isn't necessarily the only way or the way that he needs to act and interact in other people's lives. A great example of this, a great example of this, is how we begin to think um, about the methods of how we should do Christianity. And a lot of times we think about uh, the me, The end justifies the means. And so that if I was a part of a ministry that went out and did a bunch of bait-and-switch tactics, does everybody know what I mean when I say that? Um, you know, if I went out and I just constantly, you know, basically deceived people... But hey, you know what? i got a lot of people to raise their hand and say that they believe in Jesus. That's a ends justify the means mentality. Would we all begin to agree that, wow, that's how we should do this? No. We would have to repent of that experience and say, God worked through that, perhaps in your life. <laughs> but nowhere in the Bible does He suggest or recommend that you go on deceiving people for the greater good, right? He wants you to care about what, what you know, individuals and where they are and how he is working in people's lives. Okay, that's how these presuppositions are going to begin to work for us, and that kind of gets us a little bit further down the road. But let me let me move on here because we're this is good. I have way more material uh, than for today than I need to. But I want to get through the overview. But these are good questions because I want you to get your your questions out and uh, but know that we're going to have plenty of time to in the coming weeks to to dig further in these. All right, so that's roots. Um, let's talk about the trunk here. The trunk, this is the structure of the tree. Surprise, surprise. It's what's visible. And uh, it's what the tree is ultimately held up by. We call these our principles. And principles are truths. Truths that God teaches that people need. Okay? And some examples of those are, are the authority of Scripture, justification. Sanctification would be another one of those things. How, are we, how, how, how do we know that we are right with God? How do we know how we change? You know? We're going to really dive into um, principles of, 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 um, of the church and, and what it is that we want to be about. But, but these are truths that transform, as one pastor has, has put it. Now, there are lots of things in the Bible that are true, uh, but when we begin to look at Scripture about where the Bible is heavy-footed, we would begin to see that those are principles, that the Bible is very heavy-footed on things like justification, that the Bible is very heavy-footed on wanting you to know how God has rescued you, how you uh, begin to know how He has fixed your sin problem, right? All right. Now, we also hear a little bit of the Bible about end times, don't we? You know, there's some discussion about that. And many of you all probably have some really, um, you know, hardcore beliefs about that. Uh, but we can agree that the Bible, you know, it, it it doesn't land there. You know, it tells us about Jesus is coming and that's going to happen. And it tells us about, you know, what to expect. It doesn't tell us how this is going to happen. And there's three or four different types of views of end times. I can be ordained in this denomination and believe in four different types of In times, why? Because it's not central to the gospel message. And so what a philosophy of ministry is saying to you, now it impacts your your message, we'll get there in a second, but what a philosophy of ministry is saying is that we want to be about what Scripture is about, principally. It doesn't mean we don't want to talk about these things, but if we are a church that's constantly from the pulpit talking about March twenty second, 2042, that is the day that Jesus is coming back and get ready, what is our church going to be about? Is it going to be about the wonderful doctrines of justification about how Jesus came to save sinners just like myself? No, like we're going to be on the news, <laughs> you know, and not for good reasons, right? I mean, like, we'll have people here, but you know, I don't know that. It, the point is, is that we have to be intentional about our principles because we will be in tangent to cultural whims and hot topics. Does that make sense? And it doesn't mean that those hot topics or cultural whims aren't important to talk about. They are. We'll work them out in different avenues, which is another philosophy of ministry term that we'll talk about. But we want to be about what Scripture is about. Those are principles. And we'll diagnose what we think those are um, in the coming weeks. So, um, principles. Okay, Um, let's move on here to fruit. Um, what do you want to see God produce in your life? What do you want to see God produce in your children, in your friends, etc.? And how do we know that the principles we are teaching as a church are working? What purposes or goals, i.e. fruit, are we looking at to confirm? Um, or are we just assuming that every church is the same? And well, doesn't this just happen on its own? Okay. Uh, what we're going to look at here in the coming weeks is how um, there are specific categories that we can place fruit in to say as a church, here are the four things that we want to see happening in the lives of our people. Are they exhaustive? Absolutely not. All right. But they're a starting point because this is where scripture is really heavy and they kind of are in many ways collective. Um, but another way we want, we want to be intentional about thinking about this is, you know, is it, you know. One of us, you know, may be really doing well, producing this one particular type of fruit, which might be evangelism and outreach. Like, I love going overseas. I love going and being a part of, um, you know, the, the the mission projects that we have here in this church, and that is great. And that probably has something to do with the way God has gifted you. And so you're just really, you're really, you know, seeing some success in that fruit. You're really seeing God at work in your life in that way. But maybe on the other side of that limb, the, the fruit of growing in grace, you know, how you think about people and, and how you think about the grace and how it's impacted and shaped your life isn't really growing as much. All right? What does the philosophy of ministry say about these things? It says that we don't want to be people that are just heavy-footed in one or two areas of, of God-producing fruit in our life. We want to be a tree that is healthy and produces all these fruits. Not because that's some kind of taskmaster, legalistic expectation that your pastor has. Because these are promises that the living God says are true for you that will happen to you if you're connected to these living streams. You will naturally grow in grace. Not the same pace and same rate as everybody in this room. But the more that you drink of justification in the gospel, the more that you will have an understanding of your sin and the grace that God has for you, the more that that will shape how you have grace for other people. And and know what that grace is. Right? that will in turn shape how you think about missions and outreach. It'll shape how you think about fellowship. It'll think how you shape about this world and and the life view that you have of it um, by allowing Scripture to change those things and and show you how uh, we should see those things uh, because this is how God sees those things. Lastly um, is the rain there. Um, No tree grows without a cloud and rain. Uh, which is obviously the Holy Spirit. Nothing happens unless God shows up. Okay, nothing happens unless God shows up. <clears throat> we believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who grows us, not ourselves. Not only is that a presupposition, but it, it, it runs through everything. And there, are, there are many churches and organizations uh, that don't have that as their as one of their truths. Okay, that's going to make your ministry look a lot different. So, um, as far as the overview goes in time, where are we on time? Is that clock right, or is it still five minutes fast? 42. 42. Thanks, Nick. All right. We're laying the plane here. I don't know if it's been like that for a while, but <laughs> nice I haven't left it. So, this is good, because this gets us to the point of beginning to talk about our first presupposition, which I'll save for next week. This is the overview, and as I can see, this is great. Y'all are interacting with this and have questions about it, and that's what I want. Um, what I also want is for us to do our best to walk through this more um, um, specifically and, and wrestle with this, you know, and begin to see how this really begins to, to give arms and feet to our beautiful, wonderful theology that we talk about. And, and I also want to say uh, to that point, uh, for those of you that might feel and think that, you know, we're just a bunch of uh, heady Presbyterians, you know, that, that all we care about is theology um, some of that's very true, and some of that is impacted by our philosophy of ministry, <clears throat> or a philosophy of ministry. But if that's you, and you want to change that, then come here for the next three weeks, because this is how you get practical with these wonderful truths that God has given us, and this is how we begin to change. A word that we'll use: the ethos of this place. If that's you know, or, or of any place. If you want to see that change from this 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 place, this insiders' club, this. You know, this bookworm, highly, high and lofty theological um, ivory tower, then come and learn about a philosophy of ministry that cares about that and, and, and seeks to change it. Because the reason, the only way that's going to change is if we're all on the same page for how to think about those things and care about those things. Uh, we care about theology. We absolutely do. We, we will never stop doing that. But we want to also apply that in the, in the appropriate ways uh, that Scripture sees fit. Any last questions or comments? Are we all excited that I do a good job of drumming this up? And it's totally fine if you're like, I'm done with
1: this.
0: (laughs) Any questions or comments?
1: I I think this is awesome. Thank you very
0: much. Oh, thanks, Chris. I I don't
1: think I've ever had a church say, hey, we're going to talk about a philosophy ministry and get everybody on the same page. I, I just think it's awesome.
0: Well, you know, when you're typing up the summary... Like, I sat there for probably 10 minutes, like, how do I change the title? Who wants to come to philosophy of ministry class? I'm like, hmm, mm, and this is just it. And so I appreciate you taking a chance on boring and and doing it. Well, great. Well, let me pray for us and uh, look forward to seeing you all next week, but of course in worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and we thank you for um, just uh, the freedom that we have to... To get into the details of ministry and your church and your bride. And we pray that you would uh, go with us in, in those ways and that you would help us to ask good questions about this place, that we would care enough about it and care enough about your church and what you're doing through it um, to think critically and to think reflectively about how we're treating people, about how we're uh, presenting the gospel, um, that we may be um, slow to speak and quick to listen, that we'd be learning to be patient with each other because you have ultimately been patient with us. And that we would see all this fitting together in a way that grows and, and matures us uh, into one, into, uh, into Christ himself. We pray for all these things, and especially now as we head into worship, that you would go before us as you promised to do and prepare us uh, to meet with you and to worship you and to experience the joy that, that comes from that. We ask this all in your son's name. Amen. Thanks, y'all.